0: This is PBE Daily Early Mornings and Late Night Podcast, and my name is Point Banky Thank you ever so much for taking the time to still be with me, still be with me on this journey, man. I know the hiatus did bring a degree of shock to most people and concern because prior to me actually making these back-to-back episodes, I did get calls or text messages from people who were actually concerned because it's not often that in a, in a period of two months or three months I take so many breaks. I believe the first break I took was a month and this is yet another month so it's like you know there's a two month with other months in between where actually productivity was happening where i didn't actually put material out and that was born from when you have so many things to take care of in your career and in your responsibilities you sometimes get drawn away and also add that to so much energy into making those things come to life and you end up suffering the consequences of your actions i've been speaking on fatigue and my changing in how i do things and even sometimes trying to pull away from having to pull crazy late hours to fulfill certain obligations that i have and in many cases the obligations i have are the things i would like to actually move the the envelope on. I've been finding it definitely impossible to actually put an episode out as quickly as I I used to because in the initial stages of this podcast I used to do 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening. But as time goes by and as life changes, it turned into making 20 minutes a day in order for it to actually be potent enough for people to actually enjoy and also have enough context and depth, or should I say weight, in that which is spoken about because early mornings and late nights are predominantly the times actually take time to make podcasts and also it's a good tag to have because i use a five hour period that i steal from my sleep and from uh, my breaks to make my productivity come to life say my days on a good week on a very good week when i'm feeling great i'm and i'm feeling productive my day will start at 5 a.m and I will try create as much as I can until 8 a.m. And then when I come back home in the evening, I will take a break of either between 6 p.m. till 7 p.m. or 7 p.m. till 8 p.m. and then try to make productivity come to life thereafter and then push until 10 p.m. and stop. And sometimes it's hard to hit that 10 10 p.m. mark and stop because sometimes you're on a creative roller coaster and a creative role. Like even in the last two, three days, I've gotten calls from the partners of, pre-existing properties that I already am ingrained in and we are about to embark on even more adventurous successes in that which is coming. I'm holding my tongue from saying it out loud until it actually has ink on paper or virtual ink on virtual paper but I still say you'll be proud of the fact that what I'm about to do will play a part in making all my other properties take shape and it's one of the reasons why I'm actually supremely glad I took a a hiatus when I did because the episode I'm about to record right now I made the visual for it in early July I never got to do the episode itself because I wasn't able to had to work and if it wasn't for work when I finally had freedom from the work I had to find the courage to actually record it or even find the more information and it always seems as if the moments when I objectively say it's not the right time and I pause, it comes to work to my advantage, regardless of how, in many cases, most people would say that a lot of time has been wasted in the interim, especially during COVID times, because in COVID times it's expected that more content is put out and more content is made available, readily available to a ready listening audience. I would like to believe that even if it takes me slightly longer to return to making material that should actually be put forward for your listenership, I should do it in a position where I don't come back and say, I churned out so much material and I didn't actually give you exactly that which you seek. And The reason why I'm actually supremely glad I took this break from this specific topic is because it comes back in so many waves and even before I sat down and put the earphones on and put the microphone in place to actually start recording, other things that actually contribute to this episode came into into the fore. The reason I named it, uh, what I named it is because there's a video that I first saw years ago and it was... uh, interview by a gentleman who's now deceased may his soul rest in peace and may all his beloved uh, have peace as they continue and it is a gentleman who used to have this uh, interview series called inside the actor's studio and in the interviews he'd have personalities who either have been to acting school or who are influential figures in acting be it theater be it uh, drama be it uh, the box office as far as movies and film and television but also just individuals who their unique story just makes them more of a personality above and beyond the talents that they have. The interview in particular is an interview that popped up after the disappearance of Dave Chappelle. This is not building up to him being the buff figure who came back and made a tidal wave of being the person who, as I believe Dave, uh, Dave Chappelle was being complimented by Joe Rogan and uh, Kevin Hart as... The one person who, after the industry treating him so harshly, again, paraphrasing, came back and decided to defend the freedom of speech for a stand-up comedian in the American industry. The freedom to speak freely the uh, repetitive i'm sorry the freedom to speak recklessly that's what i wanted to say the freedom to speak recklessly and in the interview there's this one moment he speaks of of the gentleman who used to be his biggest inspiration as far as how he would shape up what he hopes to be and his career when he said he wanted to pursue stand-up and uh, acting and stuff like that his pop asked him countless questions and this is before his father passed away and everything and Dave Chappelle said was asked like what what he considered success as far as the field again paraphrasing and he described the amount of money his father was earning as a teacher and he said if he's able to earn the same salary as a teacher doing stand-up then he'd much rather do stand-up and his pap uh according to how the story goes he he laughed and he said if that's how you're looking at it you should go and this is the clincher and why it actually ties to this episode and then he says but know your price the moment it gets more expensive than that get out of there and then dave Chappelle ends that part by saying and i quote thus africa And that is to refer to the time when he flew to South Africa and upon landing in South Africa is when he called his wife and says, I'm in South Africa, but I'm safe. I just had to get away from it all. The reason he left also, like the pressure that he said he was facing at the time was his father's passing and everything that happened at that time. That always stuck with me because the whole idea of knowing your price is very, very important. I remember one time during a a period when I was going through really, really dire strains and Uh, questioning the successes I'd like to have and hoping to achieve and this was based off of entertainment I hadn't really established what I really wanted to do to the visual arts and in the visual arts I was still treating it as a novelty because entertainment as far as me using my voice being a radio personality and being an event host and a performing artist was looking as if that would be the main hustle this is not even a long time ago this was approximately 10 years ago and in that period there's one time a gentleman who I consider a friend and even though in entertainment sometimes you don't have perfect friends or perfect enemies. When I see a person who we can meet today and ten years, five years from now we can still meet again and we we'll probably meet in a boardroom where we're both supposed to do something in contribution to making an event come to life or a show come to life and you treat me with a mutual respect that ends up making us both coins and we still have the ability to have a laugh, share meal, uh, be in the same hotel uh, block and Everyone is still safe and everyone is still respectful in the breakfast table. I believe that is a friend. And this gentleman was offering me the chance to make remixes. And I was there with a fellow recording artist at the time. And when he said his pitch, he mentioned that we'll just make this material and we'll put it out. And I was so quick to want to shake this man's hand and just solidify the deal and just go. Because I was excited to just be able to find access to a studio at the time. The younger gentleman, the younger recording artist, who right now is a a very influential figure in entertainment locally, thanks to his continuous grind and him actually being on the fore of being supremely focused on making his music and feeding his family in the process, he didn't flinch. And his circumstances were different than my circumstances. He came from way more tougher circumstances based on the decisions he makes because it influenced and touched more than one life on how he would actually make his move and that he was hesitant. I was only thinking about how this would probably just maybe make the person I was with at the time calm down. It would make me have uh, access to all these doorways that would lead to me being down with a click, if you will. I was very immature in that room and I've always looked back to that moment and I, whenever I get the chance, if I haven't said it to him already, I'll say it to him when I see him again, it's that I love that he knew not to flinch and because he knew not to flinch I love and respect this man and I started thinking about it because I started now reviewing things uh, 2, 3 plus years after that moment happened when I was now finding my way back I was still very deeply angered by the fact that I did what I did in the sense of I made compromises not selfishly Enough. I I made compromises for the benefit of those around me even though some of the people who were around me at the time were not people who are of value to me or would be even longer lasting past a certain point they would have stepped out and I'll tell you this some of the people that was around at that time wouldn't have been able to handle that which is the COVID time and so I'm grateful to them for toughening me up when I knew things were bad because in those days, 10 years ago, getting a coin and rubbing it together wasn't easy. And I was trying so much and so hard to prove myself that I can make myself and pull myself up by my own bootstraps and be my own strong force of energy and strong force of success. I wanted to be that so much and I wasn't able to. And when I failed, I was scared to to say that I failed because it's one thing I'm I'm, I'm not really comfortable with failure I'm not comfortable with being low I'm not comfortable with being incapable and so I always set my mark higher and higher and the grand plan that I had when I was 17 there's so many things I've changed and improved on based upon added information and 10 years ago I think I lost my way with that and when I think back to that moment and I started coming back into seeing my way now let's say now seven years back after the, the the debacle and the situations that i had to go through i started researching individuals and personalities i've always loved documentaries and sometimes the documentaries i thoroughly enjoy are of individuals who faced their fears and went headlong to try find their own path it's the reason why i keep on speaking on caesar and in previous podcasts, I said this, based upon it, you, what you would assume is a romanticized idea I have in my head of what Julius Caesar is. Julius Caesar came from a poor side of a big family name. And because Julius Caesar came from that, he knew he had to go an extra mile to try to find his way to even be in the circles of people who actually control, influence or define what Rome was. The only way you could do that back in those days is to go to war as a soldier, climb the ranks, become a general. Upon becoming a general, maybe have a parade, which was what could define you and make you famous enough to the Roman public, which was a triumph. And when you parade your soldiers into Rome with all the successes, all the uh, spoils of war, be it slaves, be it um, material wealth, like uh, gold, silver, and all these things, when you come in, you were then welcomed to potentially be in the Senate because only the rich or the affluent or the powerful names could be in the Senate. And that's why I always say be Caesar or be nothing at all. Go into this wild badlands that we exist in right now, which is the corporate world. We don't have to go conquer Gaul. Maybe Gaul for you is uh, two, three meetings with clients and then they'll give you that which you're supposed to have and then upon your invoice being fulfilled and having your uh, your payment come in maybe the profits that you make from that that's your triumph maybe that's the case and I started moving towards now looking at his next of kin who he took in as um I don't know if it's fact or if it's um alleged but his nephew then became the defining factor to that which he sparked He's parked the birth of an empire and singular leadership so that you don't have to answer to more than five people to get things done. And Augustus is the one who then built the empire that was Rome. And building an empire sometimes demands that you know that which you're looking for. When you look at that, let me take you further back then and look at now the figure of, let's come back to Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar always looked up to the story of this 30, I believe it was 33 when he passed or 32. I'm i I'm only so lost in these particular calendars. But in this particular figure, who is um, Alexander the Great, son of Philip. And Philip, I believe that's his name. Ooh, I, I'll, I'll probably get a lot of these things wrong. Bear with me. I'm so sorry. Uh, and Philip, we we'll call him Philip for now. Philip had already reached a point where in order for you to have peace with many people who you've been fighting and conquering, just marry into those families or have your boys marry into those families or your next-of-kin marry into those families, then you chill. And some people figure the only way to keep maintaining order is to keep on fighting. Alexander wanted to surpass that which was the legacy of his father. And he did. Above and beyond, he did. And because his drive was so aggressive... He did surpass all that he wanted to surpass but then again his soldiers began to die and become homesick and started resenting that which was their path. And he never really got to even make it back and even have a transition that was peaceful enough to actually have power move from one person to the next. Maybe it's because even the way the power was begotten in the first place was because of betrayal and murder as is alleged by the tale. Even if it wasn't of his own doing but it was for his own benefit and he rode with the benefit that came there in so I, I guess he has to bear the burden that comes with that. I take all that and then I give you this which is my greatest source of inspiration as far as this kind of caesarean or uh, romanic or greek level epics in my current day and age and those iconic figures for me and my generation at least for those who of of whom think or consume the same amount of material that I consume it's hip-hop figures. Most of my greatest hip hop figures and greatest hip hop inspirations come from dire strengths and they, are, they were born in, in into slum dwellings and projects and low income housing, and they were basically bottom feeders. Their mothers either had to haul their way to make them successful, or they had to work manual labor or low income labor, and. Some of them got exposed to drugs and became addicts and stuff like that. And this is just American stories of African-Americans and Puerto Ricans who are going through the toughest part of being below that which was defined, I think, after the Second World War. When they started to come up with grid lines in the United States to define where income would turn into now even further versions of racism based off of economics. And through that construction of that in a place where everywhere was just a dump site and the places are just full of drugs and not even the state government is not taking care of these people in these particular areas because they're poor areas because they're black areas the Puerto Rican areas and 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 people who are not considered european or american or european enough to be in the united states a craft was born from scratching music and that was hip-hop and that craft of hip-hop then became form of commerce because by entertaining people the people in the affluent sides of the world which tends to happen with all crafts people in affluent sides of the world started to come be around those particular sounds and those particular dances and everything and maybe it's a rebellious trick that is born from people who come from better circumstances because whenever you come from better circumstances you have more freedom to be curious to research it's why i sometimes believe the reason why the barbarian man who discovered fire was able to not start figuring out making clothes and he already had a spear or he already had a sharp object that would actually uh, strike his his hunt and his prey. He gave enough of a safe environment in the cave with the fire that would lead to his children not having to go to the hunt until they were old enough to go to the hunt and in that period when they are not old enough to go to the hunt they would have stories and tales being told to them by their parents and maybe that's the point when those stories told to them by their parents turned into them starting to seek even greater ways they could actually be and maybe that's what led to them deciding to come up with ideas to have their relatives siblings move from place to place and maybe even conquer those spaces and not even conquered them by physical attacks, but conquered them by uh, sitting them down and giving them certain degrees of knowledge or convincing them with conviction to then form villages, and then villages became uh, towns, and then towns became kingdoms and kingdoms thereafter. Just just small things like that. And when I think now back to the hip-hop thing, I listened to an interview that was between Lil Wayne and 50 Cent. And I know I always say that I don't like using... uh, current affairs as that which defines what my what my podcast is because I fear it may make it be stuck in time but in that interview there's one moment he said something that 50 cent said something that actually really stuck with me because even his journey was important when i was younger i think his album came out in 2002 2003 his first album get rich or die trying statements like those really stick with me there were these bootleg outfits that were being sold locally and the thing i wanted the most wasn't even the bootleg outfit it wasn't the jeans it was the fine printed glossy paper poster which was a perfect uh, rectangle and it had the cover image of his album which was get rich or die trying i walked around with that that piece of paper inside uh, a plastic bag that held all my rough sketches before i had enough cash or even knew that you could have plastic portfolio holders and i think it's it sat inside my portfolio holder for a bit who knows because i carry that things around so much maybe it's still there and the thing he said was he said that when he started finding uh the perfect direction he wanted to take with his personal career after columbia records dropping him because of him being shot nine times and too much controversy leading him to be attacked and be shot at in nightclubs he had to find a plan and a team to put around him to actually get things started and the girlfriend he had at the time i believe he told her well just you just stay with me just hang in with me and i'm i'm paraphrasing all this because the statement was much much smaller than this but I've, I this is the romanticized idea I had in my head and when he began making successes and the big deal came with Shady Aftermath and he started making big money he at, at some point told his girlfriend like yo we're gonna keep on building we're gonna keep going and she said something along the lines of why would we keep on building we have enough now And he couldn't understand that. He couldn't wrap his head around that. And it kind of struck a chord in me because it actually reminds me why I don't like the word enough, the same way I don't like the word just. Just means it is easy to access something. Enough means there is a cutoff point of that which can be attained. And Yes, there may be a cutoff point of that which can be attained in a certain state of which is, it is, but that which surrounds making that thing come to life will always evolve, so that becomes the next frontier. If you're a person who likes making publications, the next frontier for you may become that you want to be able to make a company that can make publications. And upon making a company that makes publications, maybe the next frontier from that is, am I able to have distribution or a way to earn currency from old publications by constantly making uh, the ideas come to life and have them accessible to the audience when i heard a passing uh, marketing story for a certain series which i'm currently hoping to find more episodes of to enjoy the story of the no limit records and master p i think it's called the the no limit chronicles or, or no limit chronicles i've only been able to watch two episodes and i think i'll end the episode with a line that i heard from that show when I heard that Master P was able to have a distribution deal, thanks to advice he got from Michael Jackson's lawyer, who you had to pay 2500 or $25,000 to even have a seat with him and just speak to him uh, in conversation. I like that kind of talk because I'd like to know a person who I would actually speak to in regards to how to make publications move on to the next level. Now, I don't have that person here, but in some of the endeavors that I'm actually currently going upon, I may talk to a person who can give me an school me on that game thanks to one of my partners i have like i think three four five partners in different pockets that i'm trying to establish for my, for myself sorry i'm i'm, I'm kind of gassing up at the moment because i've been not eating drinking enough water but at least it means i've been eating just please be relaxed i'm, I'm actually eating and make, taking good care of myself and in all that I heard from that it just mean means that there's some of us who don't have that hunger and that grit to know that when you want to have something as far as success and want to have something as far as being the biggest force in the game the fine print of what comes with that is that the work has to be done no shortcuts no uh backdoor dealings you have to sit down and do the work i once shared on instagram story a quote from jack the king kirby which said just sit down and do the work and another one i'm adding to that is uh by a guy i think his name is gibbons uh and he said when you ask a person a client would you like your work done right or you want it tuesday nine out of ten times they will say they want it tuesday so i try as much as possible to make the work come out right but if possible hit the tuesday mark but hit tuesday at one minute past midnight when tuesday begins and that's one of those forces that actually maybe it's why I push myself so aggressively to try and make something of myself. And I can't promise that I won't be doing late nights from time to time, but I will try as much as possible to not let that become the cliche. And to make it even clearer and why I use the image of 50 Cent is 50 Cent rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because he was so aggressively lost in trying to make his success a thing. But I hold him in regard in high regard to an extent because he had an agenda he fulfilled his agenda and even if you rub you the wrong way funnily enough or sadly enough it was part of the agenda that kind of make, makes it why people blame him for why the whole idea of trolling is a fact because he kind of trolled back in his time you all you need to do is just go find out what he did during the launch of fat joe's album and you'll see the theatrics that have continued since then but the reason why i wanted to bring up the whole no limit side to this and why it ties back and what i said was going to be the line i end this podcast with is when i was ending the second episode of the show there was a line that was being said about master p and spoiler alert master p had a call he got a call allegedly from um suge knight of death row records because they were in competition at the time and suge knight said california is not big enough for the both of us and master p said good so when you're leaving marinate on that and with that thank you for listening to yet another episode longer than the last one as you can see this is one of those bags when i go into i go really deep into it until next time be caesar or be nothing at all uno